This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham. It is a Tuesday and we are still streaming. That's what we do. ESPN app. Get that all over you. Number for the show is 844-SAY-ACCN. I'm Mark Packer. My partner's Wes mm-hmm. Durham. He is in Cartersville, Georgia, and I am not. There's no one here but dogs. <laughs> Chester sound asleep on the uh, Roger Goodell chair and Fuller looking out the back door, hoping that Wes will reappear in his parking spot. Mr. Durham, <laughs> how are you? Good morning, Pac. I'm doing fine. Good to be with you. Uh, good Tuesday program coming up for you. Plenty of good guests. And uh, we wrap up two a days today. We'll talk about Wake Forest and Pitt. Uh, we'll check in on Omaha. Danny Graves will be along. Uh, great guest coming up bottom of the hour. Alonzo Highsmith will join us. Uh, Megan Jebia, the new women's basketball coach at Wake Forest, also comes by in the 8 o'clock hour as well. So we got plenty of fun to go. And the Irish play this afternoon and Notre Dame uh, trying to buck the odds and buck the trends here a little bit to uh, see if they can't make some noise after losing the other night uh, to Oklahoma. But it's going to require beating Texas A&M today. Uh, Today, if you like loser-leave-town matches, Omaha-Nebraska is your place to be Mm -hmm. because that's what we got all day, all night. Get that all over you. Uh, It starts this afternoon, as you mentioned, once at 2 p.m. And for the Irish, quite frankly, got to play better than they did uh, the other night. Uh, Sunday night uh, for a team that is so solid defensively, uh, that always seemingly puts the ball in play. They really didn't do either very well. Didn't pitch great in terms of their starting pitching. All that must be better this afternoon if the Irish season will continue. Again, this is real simple. You win, you move on to play Oklahoma, and you got to beat the Sooners twice. You lose, you pack Mm -hmm. your lunch, you head back to South Bend, Indiana. It's as simple as that. But the Irish have to play better, and quite frankly, I expect them to. They've been good, and they've been consistent all season long. You don't get to this position, Wes, without being able to bounce back. And I just go back to this series that Notre Dame had at Tennessee. They win game one. They get smoked and dominated in game two. Didn't look great. Sunday, that uh, game Mm -hmm. three, loser, the ultimate loser leave town match in the Super Regional, they played well and won against the best team in baseball. So I expect Notre Dame to play well this afternoon. Now, whether that's good enough to be Dane m that's why we watch and enjoy sports. But, you know, the Aggies won their first College World Series game after losing nine consecutive uh, by eliminating mm-hmm. Lance and the Texas Longhorns. So they're coming off this emotional high of Sunday. And it was more than just winning a game to stay alive. It, it was eliminating the team you hate the most. So... Do they bounce back? Are they flat? I don't know. That's why baseball is so hard to figure out. Again, Texas was the favorite going into it. They never won a game. The number two national seed was Stanford. They never won a game. Uh, it's baseball. So today, 2 o'clock, A&M, Notre Dame, loser leave town match. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what the Irish elect to do from pitching perspective. Austin Temple, of course, didn't go very far the other night. Um, in the uh, Sunday night ball game against Oklahoma. Uh, How does Link Jarrett handle that? But more importantly, Notre Dame will probably have to rely on their plate performance as much as anything else because you're going to have to generate runs against Texas A&M. At this point in the process, the pitching kind of recycles itself a little bit, but it is only Tuesday, so you can't go back to everybody that you've been counting on here. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how both Jim Schlossnagel and uh, Link Jarrett go about their pitching rotations here today 
uh, at 2 o'clock Eastern time. You know, and here's the other thing. This is why I love the tournament. Uh, when those guys get out of bed today in Omaha, they know. Right. That you, mm-hmm. you know that it is, could be, and again, especially a team like Notre Dame, so dominated with grads, seniors. This is an experienced group. Those guys get out of bed today in Omaha and realize, hey, man, we got to go play because you know what? We lose this one. This is the last time I'm going to be playing baseball on the college level, period. Right. So uh, there, there's a sense of um, definitive end that, hey, that should be enough for you to be motivated to go play and, and go perform at a high level. I Like I said, I – I'll be very surprised if Notre Dame uh, is as sloppy and flat as they were the other night. Um, again, I'm not taking anything away from Oklahoma. They were the better team when they played Sunday night. And that's why the Sooners are sitting in the catbird seat at 2-0 and in this bracket. But I just expect Notre Dame to put ball in play, do what they do all season long, and that is, hey, we're an experienced team. We're not going to flinch. Let's go play. And uh, A&M's really good, too, right. as you said. Terrific offensive team. Uh, so the Irish's bats, uh, they got to wake up, man, because those 14 Ks he had against Oklahoma, that will not cut it against A&M. No, no. You're going to have to score runs, I think, today. Um, but as you noted, too, it'll be interesting to watch A&M, right? See where this falls. Uh, they, After losing the, uh, the opener to Oklahoma, they came rolling back uh, the other day to eliminate Texas. And now – here comes the loser leave town game, and this is the this is the part we were talking a little bit about yesterday. Uh, comes into more focus now on the other side because um, you've got the the elimination game also on that side of the bracket too, on the other side away from Notre Dame. But this one here today at two o'clock is the one that is the point of principle. But um, you you can't show up flat here, and that's why the number is the number we talked about it at the top yesterday. Uh, 26 of the last 31 champions at the College World Series are 2-0 teams, teams that get to 2-0. Um, it's it's an amazing stat to watch unfold because there's just so much confidence in this thing. Because remember, those teams, they're just hanging out today. They're just like, you know, whatever it takes, we'll, we'll catch you tomorrow type deal. And in Oklahoma's case, they hadn't played since Sunday, so they got a couple days off. And, you know, and I think uh, Ole Miss is going to be probably close to the same boat, so – it's going gonna, it's gonna to work into their advantage as well. Yeah, if you like ACC, SEC, college baseball uh, today and tonight, really is your kind of day because you get Notre Dame and A&M at two, and then tonight you mm-hmm. get to Arkansas and Auburn. Again, these are games that really do matter because it's not one of those saying, hey, we got a free day. We, if we lose, we're okay. There's manana. No, no, no. If you lose, you're mm-hmm. gone. So uh, it's kind of an ACC, SEC kind of day. And, of course, from our perspective – uh, we wouldn't mind to see two SEC teams lose today. That means we're still talking ACC baseball in the College World Series tomorrow <laughs> on the program. So uh, one's, right. one SEC team is guaranteed to lose tonight. Uh, but, again, they give the mm-hmm. tip of the hat to the Southeastern Conference, getting four teams in the College World Series. And as you mentioned, Ole Miss and Oklahoma are sitting on the couch today hoping both these games go 20 innings. I mean, I, again, if you're a Sooner or a Rebel fan today, you are rooting for – Hey, get to your. I hope your third baseman's pitching in the 18th inning because we get to get we get the winner right. tomorrow. That's how that works. So, uh, again, Omaha yeah. special. Trying to figure out baseball is impossible. So grab your popcorn this afternoon and see what Notre Dame and A&M give it to you. But uh, I again expect Notre Dame yeah. to play much better. Yeah, we'll talk to Danny Graves coming up uh, in the uh, nine o'clock hour. Get his thoughts on Omaha and now how do the Irish handle? Uh, the predicament. A couple of other things here today. 
born out of conversation yesterday <laughs> when, when Joe Giglio, oh. who joined us during our two-a-days for NC State, and he said that NC State did everything but win the no, game. No, no, that no, wrong. No, no, you're gonna you're gonna kiss up to your buddy here. That's not what he said. He said they won the game. Okay, what did he say? He said they won the game, which I my eyeballs popped on. I said, no, not only did they not win the game, they never led for a second. It's one of the it's the worst take I've ever heard on this show. It, it was so bad, even Paul Feinbaum went, God, that was brutal. That's how bad that take was. That's how bad that take okay. was. So now go ahead with your so, thought. Based on uh, based on Gilio's statement yesterday, coming up here in about oh five minutes or so, never led for a second. Wes, what what are the games that you can't believe your team let slip away? That's different. Yeah, that, 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 that's what are the a games di- that's you can't a believe? Take. That's a different take. You could have said, hey, "What listen, are the teams that's that you a game can't they believe?" Should have won. I would have agreed with you. You should have your won that team game. let slip away. Well, you are backstroking uh, this morning. Who me? No, I'm not backstroking. Yeah, yeah you. I'm, yeah. What are the team? What are the games that you can't believe your team let slip away? Well, the first one I would tell you would be NC State in 2016 in Death Valley. How did they lose that game? Should have won that game. You can make a 28 right. yard field goal, whatever it was, you win the game. Right. Right. So we will go. We're going to go back in ACC lore to find the games that we think, if you're a fan of that team, you can't believe that your team let slip away. Oh, there's a thousand. How's that? There's a thousand of them. Well, Seriously. There's yeah. a thousand. Looking, of them. In, looking in fact, forward if, to that. If, uh, in fact, speaking of NC State football, um, I think if you're a North Carolina fan, you're probably looking back that last time you made a visit to Carter-Finley Stadium Looking around going, how in the world? I mean, Devin Leary, when he did the quarterback sneak on me last week here in the studio in the basement, I told him, said, look me in the eye. You, you had it the whole time, right? He's, I knew we were going to win the game. Hey, he's the quarterback, man. That's why he's up for a Heisman. That's why we got Devin Leary mugs, just like this one right here for Heisman, right? Oh, wow. You got you mugs? Like- wow. I didn't know you got mugs. Oh, not- you weren't here last week? Yeah, look at that. Did you not see these last week? No. I was- this? What I- were you doing? I saw them. I just... I was there. I just didn't remember you got mugs. I knew yeah. you got hats. Mugs? We got everything. Dogs got treats. In fact, I got the Devin and Leary. And we got beet uh, juice. Yeah, well, I, there's only one of those, thank God. But we got the Devin Leary uh, uh, treat for the dogs. It's on the floor right now. If they want to see a uh, upper yeah. deck shot, you can see the boys have mangled the uh, Devin Leary dog treat. Uh, but nevertheless, how about North Carolina fans, football fans? The last time you were at Carter Finley mm-hmm. Stadium against NC State, you think that's one that would fall under the category? Right? You're cruise controlling, yep. you're getting ready to ruin a party, and here comes NC State. Big, bad, bad. Oh, damn. Oh, man, Leary was great. Man, that, that game, you know, we see highlights of that game still, and you can't, yeah. you can't imagine how in the world NC State won that game. But they did. They sure did. Mecca Mezzi. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, Crazy, but there's a hundred of these kind of games. If you're, up. well, if you're a Louisville football fan, you let Virginia come back and win the ball game last year at Cardinal Stadium. How in the world that Three happened? touchdowns, right? right? You're, you're cruising. Yeah. Game's over. Forget yeah. Brennan Armstrong. Forget all that nonsense. We're going to win the game. Clo- right. No, got to close. Got to close. I'm also going to make. I'm also going to make one caveat statement here. Going to break. 
since Josh Macri is producing, Josh, these are games involving ACC teams. <laughs> these are not games involving NFL teams. So I do not want to see a picture of it. Oh, yeah. Well, nobody bring up the Super Bowl. Please. Please. The voice of the Falcons has had enough of 28-3. to 3. Well, and Macri is a noted Patriots fan. Right. Noted. And reminds you of that daily. Right. So. Don't bring it up. It's got nothing to do with the ACC. Let's just keep it. Let's keep it within the the framework here if we can. Right. Be like me talking about how the Giants let that one get away from the Braves last night, man. Sacrifice, fly in the eighth. That's all you needed. Sacrifice, fly in the ninth. All you needed. Two out, hit in the bottom of the ninth. That's a loss. I mean, it, that would be a for instance of what we're not going to talk about. Not going to talk about. Yeah. This is Correct. ACC. It has All to right. involve at least one ACC. If you want to go non-conference, you can. That's right. But it's got to have an ACC flavor yeah. to it. That's right. That's it. Thank you. Uh, at See, 8 o'clock by the way, and by the way, Wes, this morning. Wes, I, I, I'm going to challenge our viewers and listeners to see if you can come up with a game in which your team never led for one second. Never and yet led. You think you let it slip yet, away? No, no. And yet you won the game. Won the game. Now let that marinate a second of stupidity. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Eight o'clock. Here's the other. Here's the other uh, in class assignment today on Packer and Durham. A year from now, EA Sports is going to revitalize the college football video game. Matt Brown had a terrific story and extra points this week about. All the licensing that's gone into it, the focal points of the production, and how Electronic Arts and Tiburon and Orlando is getting ready to relaunch this game, which was wildly popular when it was pulled from the shelves, in part because there was no NIL. Um, So back in the day, in the old version of the game, you got to build players. So today, we're giving you eight categories in which you get to build the perfect ACC quarterback using elements of all the ACC quarterbacks. So, Pack and I have kind of submitted ours. You get to submit yours. Yeah, and keep in mind, you must use current players. You can't say, man, I want Phillip Rivers from 2 or I want Trevor Lawrence. No, 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 no. no. They are current ACC quarterbacks, and you need to basically build the robot. That's what you have to do here. Yep. That's it. So we're going to do that at 8 o'clock. You're welcome to chime in. Use the hashtag Packer and Durham. You can tag Mark and I on Twitter. Hit ACC Network. We'll show the results. We'll do all that. We'll take calls. 844-SAY-ACCN. Just like that, we're off and running on a Tuesday. When we come back, (laughs) losses you can't believe your team got. Games that you cannot believe. They let slip away. Ooh, there's one right oh, there. Oh, Syracuse. That's, that's oh, one right boy. there. Oh, wait a second. R.J. Davis and the Tar Heels winning at Cameron. Sit tight. Packer and Durham's Tuesday's underway on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. They haven't officially won at Clemson. They beat Clemson in 2016. They just didn't win the game.
Uh, but winning there is obviously going to be <laughs> one of the biggest challenges. You can argue with me if you really want to, but you can even ask Clemson. They got beat that day. They just didn't. The scoreboard didn't say it. Ah, ah. <laughs> I, I, Joe, I got to be honest with you. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard on this show. <laughs> Seriously, but there's a difference. I, I, mean, I, I love words. you to death, but that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. <laughs> you can beat somebody and lose. Didn't you see Rocky yeah. and Apollo? Team never, uh, seriously, never led for one second. Yeah. All right. So that's led us to a topic today. Those kind of games, mm-hmm. and I don't care who you root for, Wes, the kind of games that you sit there, whether you're in the stadium, in an arena, you're at home, you're at somebody's house, right. and you're like, how in the world did we lose this game? That's basically Correct. what this topic is. How in the world did we lose this? It just seemed like everything was there for the taking. We had the lead. We let it slip away. Whatever the, whatever excuse you want to come up with. Dogatemahomework.com bowl. Um, right. But those are the games that drive you crazy as a fan. They really do. Because you sit That's there and, to the point where even when you see a highlight of that particular game, down the road. It could be a week from now. It could be 10 years from now. You still cringe. And it's just like you know every play of how in the world did that thing get away from us. That's what we're that's going it. at today. That's that's where we're throwing mm-hmm. the dart today. Yep. There you go. Now. Let's start with, shall we? Well, you start let's start you with. Want. But wait, let's start. I mean, let's start with the game that brought this conversation to be. Henceforth known as the Gillio game. <laughs> 2016, Clemson, NC State. It is the game, the Gillio game. Here it is. Dabo's already, oh, you can't believe it, can you, Dabo? Then all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson. Here's NC State. Last play of the game in overtime. Oh. NC, NC State still doesn't have the lead, and this game is over. <laughs> Game's over. All I got to do is make a fit. You yeah. make a little chip shot field goal. Dave Dorn gets the biggest win of his career at the point in time. He missed guy missed a field goal. Missed a field goal. Yeah. Go overtime. The, the field goal scores, at State the end of regulation is the field goal at the end of regulation is the real gut punch. Right. Because that's where you had a chance to steal and go. And right. they missed the field goal. We right. didn't right. put that in the clip. But. Right. All right. All right. So here's here's a couple other examples. We can go back in this. Now, Florida State fans, oh, you thought we wouldn't remember. There's wide right one oh. and wide right two. But wait, we got highlights leading up to it. These games. Hey, How great were these games? Seriously. Man, these yeah, two these two put on just classic shows. And you start going Absolutely. through the rosters and seeing who's on the field when these two are playing during this era, it's like a who's who, man. God, those were awesome That's games. It. God, they, they were so yep. good. So good. They, they were so good that if ACC Network decided this afternoon, hey, we're just going to play those games on a loop, You'd still watch. You know mm-hmm. how it turns out. You may not even have a rooting interest in either team, but you'd put your feet up and watch it because of just the star power alone 
what Florida State and Miami I, brought to the table during that era. Unbelievable. You know, I we don't we don't. Uh, Jeremy Michaels is a talented programmer who handles all of our programming here on ACC Network. And Jeremy, I, I don't I don't quite. I know they're doing some team takeovers in early July pack because we've done that in the last couple of years. They've been terrific. How about if we how about if we just load up just load up some games games like all these games here. Just watch oh, some of these games. Man. You know I mean, what? I, take the first three we've shown you. I mean, unbelievable. You know what I loved about those games too? Like when you happen to catch them in the middle of the night on one of the ESPN channels cuz you'll find them from time yep. to time. Um, but what's the mm. cool thing about those games is when they used to not I, I Wes, you know this better than I do since you're a real broadcaster and I'm not. But I loved it when they would go offensive line and you'd see all the graphics for the linemen or the wide receivers or the quarterbacks or the defensive backs or the linebackers. Right. And you just see names and you go, oh, my God, I forgot so-and-so played for filling the blank. But those Miami-Florida State games, when you go back to that era and they put those graphics yep. up on the screen, you, you just shake your head like, oh, my God, how did they ever lose? The answer is they never yeah. did unless they played each other. Because the national championship went through the Sunshine State in that era. Whether it be Florida State, Miami, the Gators mm-hmm. when Spurrier was doing his thing. Man, a lot. They were some awesome games, too. Golly, they were great. All right. So which games can you still not believe your favorite team let slip away? 844-SAY-ACCN. David in Miami. Before we get to the next example, David. David's very quiet this morning. David's quiet. All right. We'll try we'll, to uh, we'll we'll get come the back to phones in a moment. And David. Hello. Hello. Oh, he's Hi. there. Okay, David. Yeah, David, how, how are, are you? you? Good morning. Good. How are you? Um, great. I'm down in Miami, so I'm obviously a huge Hurricanes fan. So I got, I got two. One's obviously automatic, which would be the uh, College World Series against LSU, the Warren Morris walk-off yeah. home run. Oh, Warren Morris. Oh, My favorite yep. name to this day. Yep. And then I'll go another one that's a little more recent. Um, I had the pleasure of going up to Chapel Hill and watching a Miami football game. And there was a certain play, I think it was what? You guys can fill in the blank, like what, fourth and 23? Fourth and 21. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brutal. I mean, that's it was fun, but those games were really brutal to watch, and especially back at that college, watching that college World Series. Those are tough ones. Yep. And, you know, like yeah. I said, let me ask you something, David. When you see that replay from the College World Series, do you just have to turn off the television like instantly, or can you still, even to this day, watch it? Because those are the ones that no, burn the soul, okay. man. Okay, what's the one in the middle? He just came to me. How about the Hill Flutie in the middle? How about turning a oh, TV off? Oh, I was say. Oh, and that's when I, that's right. the one. And I was standing on the goal line at that game with my dad in the car with the car running, and he's waiting oh. on me, and I'm like, and I stood there, and I just in disbelief when that ball went up in the air. Stop. Unbelievable. But like you guys yeah. said, there's just so mm. many. It's just, it's hard to pick a few, but you just, that was three, right? You just, yeah, all of a sudden the Flutie one came back when you talked about mm. turning off the TV. That's that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Hey, I didn't mean to put mm. salt in the wound, but you know what? If it makes you feel better, I don't care who you root for in sports, much less just college sports. Everybody's got at least one. You, you Everybody's got one. Of these. You can't yep. be a fan and go, well, I, I've never experienced this. Nonsense. Then you're not a fan. Because everybody, yeah. if you really, really love your team, 
there's always that one moment or two that you just, I mean, it rips you. It does. It rips your heart right out of your chest and hand, you know, hands it right back to you. Like, Hey, this is yours. Right. And, but yeah, those are three classics. And of course the North Carolina game, I think Joe Zagaki was even talking about that yesterday when we did our Miami breakdown, yep. Wes, of that uh, fourth down play that, hey, Miami, just get off the field. You win the game. Game, set, match. But you know what? Sometimes the other guy makes a play and you got to tip your hat. That's what this is all about. Yep. Uh, yeah. Robbie Morris and the piranha threw the pitch to Warren Morris, by the way, in 96. And Sean McDonough had a terrific call, oh, by yeah. the way, on CBS of the home yeah. run. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to go to Miami. Believe it or not, we're going to go to Coral Gables. Alonzo Highsmith is one of the great names in Miami football history, and he's now returned to his alma mater to help Mario Cristobal rebuild the Miami football fortunes. We're going to talk to Alonzo when we continue after this. Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. Your lucky number is 651. 651. Number for the program is 844-SAY-ACCN. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get back to you here momentarily. But, Wes, we have a gentleman making his debut on the program, and he's back with the U. And, uh, again, M- Coach Cristobal has done a nice <sighs> job from a staff perspective, and this is part of what we're talking about coming up. Well, this is the uh, uh, incredible general manager of football operations at the University of Miami, and Alonzo Highsmith, a terrific, terrific player, uh, really good pro career. And Alonzo, I know you were working with John Schneider in the Pacific Northwest, doing a marvelous job with the Seahawks. You guys had a lot of good vibes going. But when I first heard this, I thought, well, you know what? Alonzo knows where the emotional ties are in this deal, too. Um, how much did an emotion, if this had not been Miami, if this had been anybody else, would this have happened? Oh, uh, no, no, definitely not. Um, pro- I-, I really never thought about this. I've been visiting the University of Miami for a lot of years as a college scout. And um, I thought about something like this in college football, but I didn't re- did never really think it was going to happen. And, uh, you know, I love John Schneider. I love working in the NFL. I, I love everything about college football. I love the NFL draft. I like building teams and preparing for the season in the NFL. But um, this opportunity came along and I thought it was something I couldn't pass up. Um, You know, an opportunity to work with Mario, who I have the utmost respect for because of his work ethic, his tenacity. And then I saw the coaching staff and then Dan Radakovich, the athletic director, when they talked to me and we talked about the Miami football program, it was everything I wanted to hear. And um, I decided that I could not pass up this opportunity. I didn't want to look back 15 years from now and say, hey, I should have taken this job. So basically, that's mm-hmm. why I did it. And uh, it's my hometown. I went to high school here, played college football yep. here. So it made a lot of sense to me. Alonzo, uh, being the GM of football operations, it's really become a trend, uh, I think, right now in college athletics, whether it be name, image, and likeness, a general manager of a program. Uh, and it feels like college football, and not that going to be naive to say it's not the NFL. It's not the NFL, but there are now becoming more and more layers that feel 
like the NFL. Did that make this kind of a natural progression? You talked about the emotional tie to Miami, and given what you were doing with the Seahawks and in the NFL, it, it seems like this is almost kind of a no-brainer for you as far as your experience and what you can now take the college game to the next level. Well, you know, the thing I love about this job, and it's very similar to pro football, because no matter what title you have, no matter what you do, it's all about evaluation of players, um, whether it's high school level, college level, pro level. It all comes down to the evaluation of players, understanding what it takes to build a football team, understanding um, the ideologies that each team uses and, and a process that a team follows to, de- to develop their football team. And I think Mario has a blueprint for success. Um, I want to lend to that blueprint some ideas I have, but mainly it's, I'm, I'm here because of the evaluation process. Um, you know, I love evaluating players. I, I think in everything we do in football, especially at the college level and the pro level, it's about the evaluation. It, it's developing players, and that's probably the most intriguing part to me is um, – being in the building every day, looking at recruits, evaluating players, and that trend is coming along the, along in college football because a college coach has so much to do now. There, there's so, it's a job I wouldn't want. It's almost like the president. I wouldn't <laughs> want this job. It's too much going on. You've got so yeah. much. You've got so much going on in college football every day that I don't know how a coach handles it all. And, you know, I didn't realize. I said college football is 24-7, but it's really 25-7. I threw an extra, an extra hour in there. I don't know where it comes from, but it's in there somewhere. And, um, you know, these guys are tireless workers. They're, they're tireless recruiters. Mario, I don't think Mario sleeps. I, I think the guy just just wakes up awake. You know, I don't, I don't know if he ever sleeps, but um, he's a tremendous worker. He's a tremendous family man. Um, he's all about football, and, and that's what I wanted to be part of. And uh, I think we make a good combination because I can lend some ideas to him from my eyes, what I see. Um, I'm learning about the college game every day, um, which I'm, I'm, you know, players are coming up to me asking about the process. What does it take to get to the next level? And I'm glad to share that with them. And the number one goal at our program is going to be work ethic a commitment to excellence. And and until we get that work ethic back, we can't return to anything at the University of Miami. We have to, de- you know, we have to get that work ethic and that development back of these kids and let these kids understand that all your dreams are possible. You know, we can get to where we want to get to if you kids are committed with the work ethic. Hmm. Alonzo, I want to ask you about, uh, and and you you can only confirm these kind of concepts that that I was told about last fall in, in week to week broadcast of games. I talked to more coaches who were talking about roster volatility in college football than I ever had heard before because of the portal, because of the the COVID years and all the eligibility things that were going on the last two or three seasons in college football. So, how important, at least early on in your first month or so has been understanding you've got 85 scholarships. You don't have to worry about 53 in the practice squad anymore, but you've got 85 scholarships and you can have 105 total. How, how volatile is that particular number 
in rebuilding Miami's football fortunes? Well, I, I think one of the things you have to think about is, well, the, you know, I got I got here late in the portal part of it, and the portal stuff is done now. But you're exactly right. It's an ever-evolving situation in college football as far as the roster. Um, you know, you've got 85 players. It, it's a little bit similar to pro pro in the pro game a little bit because we've got 53 men rosters and 16 practice squad players. So, you know. Right. The numbers are a little bit off, but you have more walk-ons. You have a total of more players in college. But the thing you always have to remember about college is these kids are 17 and 18 years old. And, you know, they're they're very impressionable. They're very um, sensitive these days. Um, Everybody thinks they should be playing right now. Um, You've got kids that want to transfer, kids – um, coming into colleges, you've got junior college. That, and you're exactly right. This roster is always going to evolve just because I, I, it's kind of like the weather. It just, it's going to happen regardless <laughs> of what you do. So you might as well bring an umbrella with you because it's going to rain. And kids are going to change schools and you know parents are involved now. And I, I think one of the main things I want to explain to kids and explain to parents is, hey, there's a lot better players than you who have mm-hmm. redshirted, who didn't play. Your time will come with work ethic. Um, making a commitment to a program means staying there and developing as a player. So many, the thing I worry about in college football now, so many kids are transferring that they're not fully developing their skill set. They go from one school to the next school. Wherever you go in life, there's going to be competition. I mean, I, I can understand a quarterback transferring or a running back transferring, but just remember, there's no guarantee that you're going to play at the next place. They, you know, all I can tell you is this. Why don't you give yourself every opportunity to get better where you're at before pulling the plug and say, I'm taking my talent somewhere else? Alonzo, you talked about uh, checking out talent and evaluating it. Uh, give me a trend that you have seen, given your time in the NFL and your short period of time now back at Miami. And you can go back to even your playing days in the 80s. And I know mm-hmm. the game's changed entirely, but. Dudes are still dudes, right? I mean, defensive yep. linemen are still defensive linemen. If you're a running back, yeah. you can, there's <laughs> skills. There's certain parts of the DNA you got to have. But give me some trends that you see of college football, maybe even high school football, that has maybe surprised you or you say, hey, listen, this is the next generation of where we're going in football that you're looking for. Well, I, I think one of the trends that's changed is football's year-round now. You know, these mm. kids train year round. Um, I don't think ever have we seen in our history of football, you can almost say there are some 17 and 18-year-old kids that are almost ready to play pro football at such a young, early age. These kids start training when they're 13, 14, 15. They've got the seven-on-seven camps. You've got strength coaches. You've got conditioning coaches. And you sometimes you wonder if it's a little too much because have they hit these plateaus sooner than they would have in other generations. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember when I came to college at, at 17 years old, 
It was really the first time I've been in a weight room. I mean, we had universal sets when I was growing up, and we and we used to see who could bench press the most with those plastic weights in the backyard, and you know. But now <laughs> these kids have trainers at 13, 14 years old. These guys are training next to professional athletes at 15, 16, 17 years old. They're playing year-round football, and, and, and you know what? It's amazing over the generation of time when I go back to the combine and I think of the physiques on the running backs, the defensive backs, the wide receivers. It's a it's a generation where these kids now are into nutrition. They're into their bodies. They're, and um, I'm wondering at what age do they start to break down now? If you've been squatting since you were 14 years old and, you know, 13 years old, you've had a trainer at, at what time does your body say, okay, I've had enough? And, you know, those are some of the things I think about in this generation now. Hmm, interesting. Alonzo, I'm just curious here. Uh, given the way this all kind of formulates, and and I give Coach Cristobal a ter- tremendous amount of credit here because I see the, the, the front office being established, so to speak, to the revival of Miami football, to where it is in that conversation with, you know, where Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and all these other – Ohio State, what have you. Um, You feel the momentum. I mean, you've been around success at at a lot of levels here. Do you feel the momentum even before you guys put it on the tee in September? I mean, is it it that palatable about uh, about where Miami's going here? Well, you you know what? I, you know, being in the NFL the last 25 years and you watch college football, there's always momentum when new coaches are coming in and, and, and somebody coming into Miami like Mario or myself. Of course, there's going to be a fan reaction and there's going to be momentum built in the program with Dan Radakovich, the new things we're doing here right now. But, you know, I, I really don't, I, you know, people ask me, they say, what do you want to say when you come in? I'm, I really don't have much to say other than speak less and prove it. Um, mm. You know, every year we see coaches come in and they, everyone gives the rah-rah speeches. We're going to do this. We're going to get back. And four years later, you're at the same point again. My, my goal coming in here is to uncover every stone in the state of Florida scouting, know every single player in the city of Miami, make it hard for kids to leave Miami. I mean, it's we're going to have right. to do do such a good job of recruiting and playing well on the field that we want to make it hard for kids to leave the city of Miami and leave the state of Florida. And when we can do that, we'll be relevant in college football. We've got a lot of work to do. We've got the men fences in the state of Florida, the city of Miami. We have to give these kids something to look for and a reason to come to Miami. It's a two-way street in life. You know, as much as you want to take, you also got to give, and you have to give people a reason to believe. I I can't get up here and tell you we're going to bring back the past and all that stuff because I don't live in the past. I believe in the moment of the moment, which is now. I want these kids mm. to live in the moment. I want it to be their time. These kids got to be tired of hearing about 1983, 2001. I mean, you know, you, you can only take so much. And 
I want these kids to make their own to have their own identity. I want to I want them to recreate history. And you know what? You're right. We can't do we can't bring back the past, right? But we can do it better. And like Ellen Musk said, mm. I, I'm not going to reinvent the car. I'm just going to try and make it better. And there's some things on our side that we have to do to make things better in order for this program to go forward. And and that's going to be the message. The message is this program with Mario. It's going to be all about hard work. That's it. That, that is the only way we're going to get back to where we need to be and to be relevant again in college football. Hard work, elite evaluating of talent, and getting better every day. That's it. Tell you what, uh, I'm about ready to run through a wall with what you're talking about because what you're preaching is old school <laughs> stuff, Alonzo. And you know what? Roll up your sleeves and get to work. And if you're looking yeah. for an excuse, you're wasting time, right? I mean, it, exactly. There, there's it, no it, shortcut. You just got to no. go work. You know, you know, the thing I tell these players on this team is I speak to every player on this team. And I learned a secret in life. I treat everyone exactly the same way as I do my wife and kids. Um, it's honesty. It's going to take a lot of work for us to get better. Um, you're going to have to be willing to give more of yourself. Um, there is no selfishness in football. It's all about teamwork. But football is also an individual game first because you have to do your job first in order for the team to be successful. And, and that's what we're going to preach here. It, it, there is no remedies. There is no formula. Good football players, hard work, and complete sacrifice from everyone in this program. That's the only yeah. way we're going to be worth anything in football. And that's the message I tell these players for life. If you're ever going to be anything in life, if you want to raise a family, you want to be a father, you want to be a great coach, it's the ultimate sacrifice. And it's through hard work. Amen to that. Hey, listen, yeah. uh, pleasure having you on. I-, I hope we can do this again. And Coach yep. Cristobal like I said, has done a tremendous job acquiring an amazing staff. I think people are excited to see what the Canes are going to be about. And I know this much, but you got TVD back there slinging that thing all over the yard. You got a chance because you got the I know, quarterback. I, I, I know one thing. We're going to show up and fight. Yeah. That, that's all we can ask for. Yeah. And be disciplined, work hard. And, you know, I, I, I remind everybody about this all the time. As many great players as we've had that we've had at the University of Miami, and I promise you this. It was just hard work. Hey, our practices were legendary. Um, and because of the legendary practices, um, players became good, became good football players. And you combine that with talent, everything's possible in life. You're right about that. Listen, good luck, man. We'll look forward to our next conversation. With Thanks, you. Tell, Alonzo. Tell Coach we said hello. All right. Thank you. Take care. You bet. Alonzo Highsmith, GM of Football Ops for the University of Miami. Terrific player in his day. An unbelievable job in scouting at the NFL level. And now brings that edge, and I, like I do it. mean edge, back like to the it. University of Miami. Absolutely. I like, every, yeah. I like everything he was selling on that, Wes. That, that is yep. old school mentality. And there's a lot of younger people that, hey, you might learn something in the last 15, 20 minutes. There's no magic formula. Yep. Nobody's going to give you anything. You got to roll up your sleeves and get after it. And that's exactly what Miami plans on doing. Looking forward to watching it. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Alonzo Highsmith for joining us. When we come back, uh, more of the games you can't believe your team let slip away.
Uh, all that and more coming up as we work our way toward 8 o'clock on a Tuesday. Packer and Durham rolling on. Busy 8 o'clock hour coming up. And uh, two days as well. Stay tuned on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. I appreciate Alonzo Highsmith. Really enjoyed that conversation. 844-SAY-ACCN-WEST. That is the number for the program. And we've got people that are in the mood this morning to talk. (laughs) Again now, remember, these are the games you can't believe your team let slip away. Just remember, henceforth known as Gilio games. Right, Pac? Is that no, where we're going to go with this? No, Jillio said they won the game. We're not that that you still haven't grasped the concept. There's a difference between I've saying we won Just the game. The bear. No, you didn't win the game. You fact, you never led in the game. <laughs> but if you want to live in fantasy oh, land and do your stupid hot takes, say knock yourself out on local radio. But we're not doing that here. All right. Here we go. Mark in Florida gets us cranked up. Mark, good morning. How you doing this morning? Good. Good. Uh, Louisville losing to Virginia basketball 2018. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that one. That was good. That was stupid. That's what that was. And you know what? And I hate to put salt on the wound because this is what's going to happen with this topic. People are going to call in. They're going to mention the game. And Wes and I, our brains are going to rattle around. And next thing you know, we're going to come Ooh. up with like five right behind it. And, you know, you mentioned that Louisville-Virginia yeah. game. When you started talking about that, I was thinking, oh, how about Louisville leading Duke by 100 with about 10 minutes to go? I mean, there are – Yeah, about that game. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah. that Louisville-Virginia game was oh. ridiculous. And both of those were at home on top of it, Wes. Both right. at home. Yeah, and uh, I will never forget – Mike Jeminski was doing the TV that night, and Mike Jeminski said, you got to watch out for DeAndre Hunter on a pop-out to the wing. Sure did. Oh, right before the inbounds pass. Yeah. The G-Man completely had it red. Yeah. Um, God, that's, that's a, a good call. one. Sorry, Mark. Mark, I, I know that one might be a little uh, paper cut hurt. Oof. So, mm. uh, that was Paul fun. in South Carolina. <laughs> Paul, you're next. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? How you doing? We're good. Good morning, We're good. Guys. How are you? Buongiorno, Paul. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. My, uh, my, my game is uh, 1989. Clemson Maybe. lost to Duke. At Duke, right after Hugo. Steve Spurrier was coaching Duke. Oh, yeah. How in yeah. the hell do we lose that game? Yeah. In the rain, right? That was in the rain, right? Was that, was that Randy Cuthbert? Was that one of the guy that was running for like 8,000 oh, yards? Good call. Isn't that right? Good call, Pac. I thought that's who it was. Let me tell you why I remember. Let me tell you a funny story real quick about that game. I was okay. working at Clemson at the time. And uh, youngster young, young people was the head coach, Danny Ford. <laughs> and I and we were doing the TV show, right? We we're doing the radio network and the television Danny Ford show then. And the Monday uh, after that game, the Monday after that game, 
I've got to go over to the football office to do interviews, right? And you'd have thought somebody died, right? They lost to stinking Duke, right, in the rain. And Randy Cuthbert ran for 10,000 yards. And I still remember Danny Ford yelling at Brother Oliver. Bill Oliver was a defensive coordinator, great coach, great guy. And I could hear Danny Ford screaming down the hallway, they ran that blankety-blank football. They're running back, still running. And he just screaming down the hallways. And I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a long week trying to piece all this stuff together. But that was the start of, for not only for Steve Spurrier and Duke football to go on and claim an ACC championship in the regular season, which was all predicated on that rainy Saturday at Wallace Wade Outdoor Stadium. 100% right. Tell me once again how Coach Ford would handle that. Oh, uh, youngster boy ran a football, tackled a boy with the ball, but it wasn't that clean. <laughs> Danny was not happy with They ran the blankly blank ball. Oh. We still couldn't stop it. Unbelievable. Oh, my what God. What a game that was. All right, 8, o- eight o'clock hour coming up. We're going to get more of your phone calls. Give us the game you still can't believe, like Paul did in South Carolina. Paul just went back uh, 33 years on us (laughs) to Randy Cuthbert in the rain after Hurricane Hugo. Uh, We want the game you can still not believe your ACC team let slip away. Mm. Hour two also features Megan Jebbia, the new women's coach at uh, Wake Forest. Paul Zeiss and two a days with Pittsburgh. All that and more coming up. The old uh, Packer and Durham phone number, you know it. 888 say ACCN. No, 844. No, no, Wes. 844. Thank you. Sorry. 844 say ACCN. 888 say ACCN. Somebody may try and sell you something. Back after this Packer and Durham.